Well, today we're beginning a new series, and uh, we're going to call it Creating Space. And I'm going to, I try to say things in a bit of an unusual way from time to time because I believe, could you toss me a box of Kleenex? I'm just in sad shape today. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Joel. I thought you were going to... I thought you were going to throw it to me and see if I could catch it here. No. But uh, so, so that's why. So I, I know I have different ways of saying things. We started a staff meeting talking about all the house sayings here, and we have a lot of them over the years. But we say it for a reason. Like Andrew prayed, palms up, palms up, palms up. So, so I'm going to talk about it. This is going to be a very practical series, a four-week series. We're going to begin today. I'm going to just talk about the core issue of, of, of creating space in our lives. And then we're going to talk about, I'm trying to use C's so we can remember. The next one would be capital and then calendar and then character. So we're going to move through these series. And I, and I pray that it will be helpful. Here's what I'm thinking about as we look for series uh, coming through the blessing season and 21 Jumpstart. It seems like as, as exhilarating as the blessing season is and, and we get momentum during 21 Jumpstart, that sometimes in the weeks and months that follow the blessing season, they can, also, they can be anxiety-filled or stress-filled. Um, maybe the spending you did is coming home to roost and the consequences are there in forms of death, build, whatever. But, but prolonged stress and anxiety, it produces, uh, or attention produces anxiety. A lot of people live there. And I hear people saying things like this, and I could write far more down, but I wish I had more space in my life. It's more space. That's a different way of saying it. More time. Whatever you would say, but I'm, I'm just calling it more space. I, I, I wish I had, I, I want to have more time for God. I, I want to have more time alone to reflect about what really matters. I want to have more time to, to pour into relationships that are meaningful. And I, I need more financial space, and Pastor Joel is going to be addressing that. We've got Dave Ramsey coming up, and we support the way that he goes about to help people get debt-free, etc. I just wish we had more flexible schedules, because I'm going to tell you, a lot of us live on that perpetual cul-de-sac, don't we? You know, the, the, uh, or, or, the, or the roundabout, that's more practical. Since we have arrived, we have, what do we have? One, two, three, four roundabouts in Worcester. We are a four-roundabout city now. I mean, we have arrived, have we not? But some of us are like that. We just drive, other than Pastor Cindy, who just takes the kids round and round. Sometimes, you know, that's how, that's how we live. And we're going, 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 but we're not getting there, getting there, getting there. Come on. Are you with me? That's how we live our lives many times. We make daily choices, a lot of them. Somebody, I think I was listening to a podcast and somebody said that, that whether we know it or not and we don't, we, we make like 35,000 choices every day. I mean, you're making one now. You're making them right now as we speak. But there's a lot of times that our daily choices bring on, listen, unbiblical and unsustainable paces of life that create anxiety and stress. And I want to tell you, ours is a stressed out world nowadays. And it's not for any certain age group, and it certainly hasn't, hasn't over, uh, overlooked our younger generations. They're, that's so true as well. So I just want to ask you, and I, this, I want you to reflect through this series. And, and I'm praying that there'll just be a takeaway, that the Holy Spirit will talk to you about something, about some choices you need to make. But could I just ask you this? Are you really enjoying the pace of your life right now? What might you change? How about your family life? Is it best? Is your pace, is your frantic pace, is it necessary? I'm not saying it isn't, I'm just asking. I can almost hear somebody thinking something like this. No, but I don't have time to think about it or talk about it. I don't have the space to think about it and talk about it. I'm just too busy. 
when we greet each other, what's the, what's the common thing? How you doing? Oh, I'm busy, 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 busy doing what? And what does the busyness have to do with eternity and preparing and investing ahead? I, I'm just asking. I want us to be open to dig into that. So creating space, and, and another phrase I'm adapting, and you'll be hearing it through this series, is do you have spare space? Can you remember that? Do you have spare space? So creating space or spaces about maybe that, that amount, whatever it is available beyond what is just minimal, one nostril above the waterline, for example, or necessary. I'm talking about spare space. Do you have any in your life, in your world, in your family, in your relationships? Maybe it's the difference as well between what we have and what we need. I'm talking about spare space. I mean, we all need to have some wiggle room, don't we? Uh, Let me illustrate it this way. Uh, If you need to be somewhere in an hour and it takes 50 minutes to get there for sure, you have the flexible space of what, 10 minutes? 10 minutes. If you have a flight at 8 a.m., you have to leave home at 4 a.m. now, right? <laughs> to plan to get there, to get checked in, to park, to, to do all those things. Spare space. Creating space, it's like this. Having time to catch your breath before an event. My dad used to say, can anybody else relate this? My dad used to say, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. Does that sound familiar to anybody? How many of you are still rebelling against that and you're showing up 15 minutes late? You know who you are. I greet you every Sunday coming in. You know who you are. <laughs> we, need, we need to have greeters there from about uh, 9, 9.14 <laughs> to, to, to 9.25. No, I'm just glad you're here. Come as you are. Some of you really look like you did that today. I want to compliment you. It could be, and you know who you are. It could be having money left over at the end of the month. Oh, and we'll talk about this on week four. I thought of a great illustration. Remember, we're gonna deal with that in week four, but having distance between you and temptation, creating space between you and temptation, um, having extra time and money to invest in others, extra spare space so that you can serve God by serving others. It's not that our heart isn't in the right place, but it's just like we don't have time. We're too busy. We can't squeeze one more thing in. That's because probably we need to do some cutting before we do some adding. Now, I hope you're not back there going, yeah, I'm gonna cut out Sunday morning worship. I don't need this. Oh, but you do. Oh, but we do. Um, Space away from destructive behaviors that have been such a pattern, a reoccurring pattern in our lives. Actually having an evening or two in a week when you have nothing scheduled. Wow. Oh yeah, Pastor, we have, we're gonna have family time. And you go home and you see each other less at a family night in your home because you're all in different rooms, different places than you do at a ball game. You know what I'm saying. Oh, having significant time space available to spend investing in and growing your relationship with God. Having the space, the the peace to simply enjoy his presence. Huh? I'm I'm worried sometimes that sometimes I think we we, we want his presence with a, like a blessings presence, as in spell that, with an S, is that S, E, N, T, that? More than we want his presence with a C. Got it? But every good thing comes from him. So spare space is a 
precious commodity, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, and you know what I've determined in my life? I, I don't know about you, but um, I think sometimes the best things in life happen in the open spaces of our life. I have a theory that we want quality, 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 so we plan this quality event, but we got to cram it into this minuscule space. And I want to tell you, quality times, they're cut out of quantity of time that you set aside in the least expected time. You, you know what? You can't program quality. You've got to invest the time. You've got to create the space. Give me a nod over there. Is this making sense up there in the grandstand? Somebody just give me a wave. I don't know, way up there in the corners. This is for all of us. Maybe the best things in life happen in open spaces. Um, I alluded to this. I think we did uh, in depth a little bit in, in our series about making room. And that's, that's, that's another theme for this. But we did that. Let every heart prepare room for the blessing season. But I'm not going to read the whole passage. But I just refer you back to Luke 10. We're talking about creating space. We're talking about presence as in being there, showing up. But I direct you back to Luke 10, and in those verses 38 to 42, it's about, remember Mary and Martha, we talked about that extensively. And Martha was a server, busy, 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 on the go, 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 go. But what was Mary doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. She was creating space for Jesus. I would say it this way. Martha was really good at creating a place for Jesus, but Mary was giving a space for Jesus and for his presence. And so we know that Martha tattled. She's not helping. She's not working. But here's what Jesus said in verse 42. He said, but one thing is needed. You've done all these things. You're worried and troubled and filled with anxiety. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will never be taken away from her presence. You know that when you're away from somebody you love, what do you live for? You live, live for being re reunited. I mean, you can do all the ways to connect now, and I don't know what the, if I said one, the, the teens would roll their eyes and go, that, that was two months ago, you know? It's not cool now. But I, but I know those of you that have military men and women or relatives, you, you know, what do you do? Any way that you can connect when they're far away is good, but there's nothing like being together. You live for the airport reunion, don't you? Don't you? Um, who'd want to be virtually married? Nobody. Well, some of you might like that right now because of the tussle you're in, but you know what I'm saying? It's not good because you want to be together. And what Jesus is saying, showing up, presence is everything. And the only way you can be present is to create space, to have spare space in your life so you can show up. You can show up. And presence is about continuing to show up and show up and even prioritizing those times. So Martha was preoccupied by serving, and I think that's, a tr that's something that our culture, we're so, we want to serve, 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 but I just want to remind you, presence in Jesus kind of directs our serve. I have a feeling that sometimes we serve, and we do the things we do because of the way it makes us feel. Now, there's some, we get some bang for the buck out of that, I understand, but that's not why we do it, so we'll feel a certain way, or so we'll appear a certain way. No, we're honoring him when we serve them. I just thought I'd throw that, throw that in. But Mary was present at the feet of Jesus, spending time, taking it all in. And I think that the takeaway from that simple story is this, that presence is nearly always the difference maker in relationships. It's not the preparations, and it's not the presence. Again, S-E-N-T-S. 
In fact, I, I know a lot of people, and I've been a youth pastor for many years, I was that, and a lot of people really struggle because they got plenty of presence, tangible things, but they didn't have the presence of their father, and it left a huge gap in their life. Think about it. Now, Jesus was all there, everywhere he was, and so Mary wanted to be where he was. I think of a song that we used to sing when the worship was transitioning in the church. Don Moen wrote something. I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near to where you are. Oh, my God, you are my strength and my song. And when I'm in your presence, though I'm weak, I become strong. Hey, in this fast-paced culture, presence still matters. Like Jesus being all there. And if anybody invented it and created it, it was Jesus. And he said, basically, where I am is holy. And that's not just because he was God's son and he was completely God and man. But it was like he knew the value of being all where he was and attentive. And I don't know how he did it. He did it in crowds. But he was all there. Are you? So in this light of creating space, I want to remind you that what is the main goal of Satan, our enemy, what was he trying to do in the Garden of Eden? He was trying to take them away from the presence of God. The enemy will do anything. He'll use good things. He'll have your life be so cluttered that it will, it will, it will invade the, the space that you have reserved where you can spend time in the presence of Jesus, and, 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 and it'll be long-term harmful. He said, don't be occupied completely and preoccupied with temporal things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Because the enemy wants to keep you away from God's best. I don't think the enemy cares if you're busy, busy, busy. Uh, you think he's trying to get you to be bad, but I don't think a lot of us aren't gonna fall for that, but we do fall for the busy, 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 and I have no time. You see the difference? Distracted, like Martha, distracted, distracted. I mean, doing something good. I'll put it like this. Maybe you can relate. Say, say your child or your grand, and I know they have no filter, and they just want you there all the time when they want you. But suppose your child or your grand approached you about doing something with them, and you said this. No, honey, not right now. And, and I hear this, and I'm sure I've done it. Not right now. I'm busy. How about if we said it this way? I'm busy, honey. I'm doing something much more important than spending time with you. Oh, doesn't sound so good when we put it that way, does it? Ouch. Hmm, and I wonder if it's about this way too. God, I really like you and care about you and I love you, but I, I, I just don't have time to spend in your presence. I've got more important things to do. They're not eternal, but they're more important. Well, most of us would never say it that way, but what I'm trying to get us to see is that's how a lot of us tend to live. So we need to address that in this series. We're gonna try to do that. I think Stephen Covey years ago wrote about it, the difference between the important and the urgent, but he said so many times, prayer phrasing, that we live with the urgency. We got this up right, we got to care, care, care for it, that we miss out on the important things. And what we do when we, when we overlook the important things, like investing time and in relationships and being present, we live to regret it. Remember the old song, The Cat's in the Cradle, cradle and the Silver Spoon? Some of you need to Google that, but night now, please. <laughs> Gordon, no, who was the guy saying that? Cat Stevens? Okay, help me. Don't shrug your shoulders. Look it up, Sheldon. Help me out. I forget how young they are or maybe how old I am. I can't remember which. But 
in this story that I've just read, uh, alluded to, Martha was so convinced that she was doing the right thing and Mary was doing the wrong thing, but Jesus said, ah, you have it backwards. I don't think he was, he was diminishing her, her value because she definitely had the gift of service. He said, time, presence, showing up, being there is the most important thing you can do, the best thing you can do. So could it be, drawing from that, that the challenge of this series might be to review the pace of your life and the priorities of your life and family? Is this the way you really want to live? Well, pastor, yeah, because if I don't, I have to stay competitive. Other people, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to be left behind. And I thought busier was better. I thought the busier I was, the better off I am. And, and plus, nearly everybody I know lives this way. You know what I'm really thankful of as I reflect on my child rearing? And, and, and I wasn't raised in a perfect home. My parents would just love Jesus. I mean, that was what they were all about. Um, but what I appreciate about my parents were they weren't wind checkers. If I... If I would have gone to them and said, mom, mother, daddy, we call mother, daddy, uh, the Yates family, these kids are doing that. They go, well, good for them. What does that have to do? Your name isn't Yates, it's Ward. We do what we do. And I think that's one of the biggest things that holds us captive in our culture. We start comparing ourselves to everybody else. And that's what I call being a wind checker. Not doing what your heart is telling you to do, but trying to fit in because you don't want your kids to miss out, whatever. I mean, it could be good reason for it, but let's be careful about that. The Bible says don't copy the, the customs of the world. Don't copy the craziness of the world. Don't even copy the busyness of the world sometimes, I would add. So this is a tough thing because this affects all of us. And you're going to have to think about it, pray about it, talk about it. But I, I, looked, I refer to Matthew seven thirteen where we read, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. We could put other words in there as well, I'm sure. And there are many who go by it. I mean, the wind checkers, you know? Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few that finds us. So be different. I was talking to a friend this week and we were talking about holiness. And he said, you know, from my definition, a lot of times the things that I've studied, holiness equals uncommon. And I said, another way to stay, put that is to be outstanding. That's not in a negative sense. That's in a positive sense for me. Well, with this focus, the words of Paul in Romans in one of my favorite passages, Romans 12, they are so weighty and significant because in Romans 12 too, here's what we read. And do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't copy the world. Don't have the herd instinct. Everybody's doing it, and I got to go there. I got to run here, run there, run there. Godly people and godly families are uncommon sometimes. Let me read on. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That sounds like living transformed to me. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Isn't that what we want? Does anybody want God's good and perfect and acceptable will? I do. Do you want that for your kids and grands? I do. Then we're gonna have to make some choices. I wonder, do we think this through? I wonder. Do you think that what everybody else is doing is best for you and for your family? Just asking. Do they have the family that you want and you desire? 
Do they have the relationships, the marriage that you want and desire? No, I want God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want it for me. I, I want it for you. I want it for us because it's tailor-made for him. And how do you know it fits exactly into our lives, into our world? So I wrote that this series may mess with your comfort zone. And then I added parenthetically, no, I'm talking about creating space, spare space, and I said, that'll give you a comfort zone. A lot of us don't have any spare space, so we don't have any comfort zone to live in or out of. So this series may mess with you. And I know that some will just shrug it off, Pastor, you know, what do you know? But I'm praying that, I'm praying that, I'm praying away Velcro and I'm praying Teflon. You know, I, I should say the other way around. I'm praying it'll, it'll stick. Is that Velcro? Thank you, help me out. I'm believing God for some decisions that'll lead to some major life changes, even though they're subtle because so many are living life contrary to God's best for your life. And, and let me ask you this. I, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever had a time in all these years I've been doing this, and this is a lot of years I've invested in ministry. I don't know of any time where I've seen more people that are more miserable and more, more stressed. Can you relate to that at work, wherever you are? If you're doing life the right way, God's way, does that go together? I wonder. Maybe Jesus wants to say to you and to me, to us today, what he said to Martha long ago. No, 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 Martha, what you're doing is good, but Martha, Mary has chosen what's best, and it will not be taken away from her. How many of you know the experience of being together? Some of my most fond memories as far as being a pastor, and I love it when people call me pastor. That just, that gives me goosebumps. That's one of my favorite ways to be, to be responded to, pastor. You don't have to put Nathan on it, just pastor. But some of the, the I mean, time after time, the most, some of the things I remember the most about ministry is being around the family table or around a table somewhere with meaningful, with meaningful fellowship interaction. It's not about the food, though it often is a starting point. But how many of you ever had the experience? You look up and two or three hours have gone by and you're just engrossed. That, those, are, those are opportunities where we're all present, we're all there. It could have been, I have family table memories of that. I have table with friends and things like that. I mean, there's nothing better than that. But it's about being there when the whole family is there. Those are some of the most precious memories I have after, at, about being a pastor all these 40 plus years that I've been doing this and other things. So I'm still talking about creating space, having spare space in your life. The choice is yours. Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit direct you? Not a pastor put you on a guilt trip, but are you willing to have an open heart and let the Holy Spirit direct you and really evaluate to talk to your spouse if you're married and, and say, are, are we making the best choices for our family and our kids at this time? I'm encouraging you to, to make choices and to make changes. When you continue to travel the road of spaceless living, I'll call it, it'll catch up with you and yours. But a lot of times we don't realize it until it's almost too late. And I'm not into too much, you know, T-O-O, too much of anything, because I think no matter where we are in life, God can redeem the time. He can do that for sure. But it'll cause regret, and a lot of people live there. Could I just say this to you, that when our spare space decreases, two things happen for sure, and maybe more. Our stress levels go up, and that's true relationally, emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually, I mean all. And the second thing is this, relational levels go down. 
you may not leave those who you love, but maybe you do forsake them. There's a difference, isn't there? Kind of quiet in here today. You seldom give them your presence or your undivided attention. You used to, but somewhere along the line, I mean, you know, like when you were dating, you were all there all the time. Smother city. That didn't sound very good, did it? <laughs> Nothing could stop you from being all there spending time together. What happened? Is that relationship any less important now? Are you, what are your kids and grands seeing? I allude to this often, but I'm, I'm sure you see it. I'm sure none of us ever do it because that's why we notice it so much. But have you been out to eat somewhere and you've seen a couple together or a family over there and the whole time they all have their devices and their heads are down? And they're, even while they're eating, they're shoveling in. And they're, maybe they're texting each other and having meaningful dialogue. Maybe I'll just give, I'll assume that's what they're doing. But I tell you, if you put it on video, silent video, it just looks silly. But we do it. Well, I believe that this is foundational or this flows over into our relationship with God. And many times it causes a shallowness, a lack of depth. We used to be so faithful and kept showing up and, and, and created space for him, but we've gotten so busy, 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 and it's not that we don't love him, but we've drifted, 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 and I think sometimes even coming out of the virus, you know, when we had the longest periods of downtime we've ever known, it's been hard for some to come back, and, and, and we say now it's busyness, but I wonder sometimes if it isn't laziness. Just asking, not for you, but for somebody you know. We seem to no longer create God's space in our life and family. Ah, what are we teaching our kids and grands? You become too busy for people and too busy for God. Spaceless living has become the norm. And I'd say that's a pandemic in America. Spaceless living. Oh, we look forward to slowing down, slowing down, slowing down. But it seldom happens because there's that dominating pursuit of more or copying or doing whatever. But could I suggest this, if we're not willing to create space, that maybe it's because we really don't trust God and take him at his word. You give him your sin, we talk about that all the time, and that's a wonderful thing to offload that stinking pile of sin and give it at the cross, we lay it down. We, we wanna say yes to Jesus, but so often we keep control of certain areas of our life. You say with your words maybe, God is on the throne, but we don't live like it. And we have that nagging fear that isn't Holy Spirit driven, but we have that nagging fear of missing out. And I think that boils down to what are other people going to think more than, what does, more than what does God think? I'm telling you this with the, all the passion burning in this pastor's heart. God's ways are always best. He's not against you, he's, not, he's for you. Any correction that he brings is for, for positive change. It's not to put you down. It's not to convict you and convince you of how horrible you are. It's not to condemn you, no. God's ways are always best, but they're not always easiest. Any testimonies out there? How do you know doing the right thing isn't always the easiest? 
but he has so much more for you than emptiness and exhaustion. And he is the only void filler. Whatever word that I create, I can hyphenate it and it goes through my spell check. I've told you that before. He's the only void filler that gives peace and contentment and significance. And I want to tell you, as I've visited with people in the last couple of weeks, how many of you know God's peace is just very, very real? Very real. And I think it's very, very obvious when it's missing as well. God doesn't have a desire for us to ele- elevate the good things and the gifts to the place of primary importance in, in, in our lives and our families, no. We don't have to bow down before the idols of our culture that, 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 that there's, there's more and there's more and there's bigger and there's bigger and bigger. No, no, no. Healthy self-worth and is, comes in agreement with God in alignment with him. We say yes and we become a child of God. That's the lens we live through. And then when we do that, that lens means that we live for his glory. We live for his glory constantly. Being who and doing what pleases him. That's our heart's desire. When I think of kids, and I often say this, at, I'm sure I did a, a dedication last week. The best investment we can make in the lives of our kids and grands, those of us who have them, are spiritual, as in John 3, 4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. And when you're leaving tracks, and when you present the truth and you teach truth, it's in them, in them, in them, regardless of where they may be today. It's in them. Now, I know that not everyone's going to accept this challenge and change, but I believe some will, many will. It's time to come to Jesus and do life his way. Some of you are going to make some change choices that lead the life-giving path of grace-filled living from here to heaven. I believe that with all my heart. Being on God's side and living God's ways, it's always best. You know what I'm describing there? Regretless living. I tell you, that's one of the hardest things I deal with as a pastor with people who have, they live in the land of regret. Should have, might have, could have, would have, whatever. But God's ways will live to regretless living moving forward. That doesn't change some things that have really happened in life, but God still has a plan and a purpose ahead. He does. Oh, here's the thought of this series. And I, did, I didn't put the scripture up there for the booth today, but 1 Corinthians 9.25 says this. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. That just talks about priorities. It's not condemning you. Not condemning you. Just saying there's more. There's more to live for. Matthew eleven twenty eight states that Jesus speaking, come to me, come here, come here, come here. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Some say your weary souls, your stressed out souls. You have been called. I have been. We have been called. Will you respond to this loving call?
I smile sometime. I think I was talking to somebody recently last week or a few days of, about vacation and about the pace of vacation. And how have you ever had it? You've been such a wild pace on vacation. You haven't rested. You come back more exhausted, need a vacation when you get back. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah. We need to cash in, take to the bank, take advantage of the promise that Jesus made to give rest that is desperately needed. This idea of presence, presence, presence is echoed in Psalm 4610 where it says, be still. Was anybody corrected by that as a kid? My grandma used to go, be still. That basically meant shut up, but we weren't allowed to say shut up. Be still. Shut up was a cuss word in our home. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The question is, will he be exalted in your life, in my life, in our family? I've told you before, but I had a friend when I was involved in a Pastors of Excellence program at Ashland Seminary for several years. And I had a friend, a roommate, Fred. He was from another tribe, and he lived in Virginia. But he said he got into the habit with the spiritual disciplines of every morning, and he lived in a more uh, easier climate that didn't have four seasons in one week. But he said he would start almost every morning on the swing. And he said, he said, Lord, I'm just going to sit here quietly until I sense something from you something you might speak to my heart or spirit. And he said, it's really interesting. He said, the Lord never failed to meet him there. And he said, sometimes it was a minute, five minutes, three minutes. Sometimes it was a half an hour. But he said, he made it. He was not going to leave that swing until he felt like the Lord had dumped, dumped something in his heart for that day, dropped something in his heart. Well, I'm going to give you an assignment for this week. Would you just maybe set your alarm and for maybe five to ten minutes, just a few minutes every day where you don't produce anything, you don't go, go, go. You just sit and you think you're open. Just sit there, palms up in God's presence and listen, saying, you drop into my heart whatever you want to. I'm going to hear some reports about this because some of you are going to do that. Take five to ten minutes. Take, take five minutes. Set your timer. Not do, don't, don't think about what you have to be, where you have to be. Just set it. I mean, if you're five minutes late for an appointment, don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Set the time ahead. Well, Isaiah 58, 11 speaks to this. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. The challenge for us all as we move into this series is stop following the patterns of this world, surrendering to God and doing all of life his way so you can experience God's best, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, all found in Jesus. I love it from time to time when we sing, come to Jesus and live. That's Chris Rice's untitled hymn. But don't you love it? Come here and live. That's his invitation to you today. Make room for him. Start with him. Show up. Create space for God things, which are good things in your life. The Bible still tells us in 1 Timothy 4, 7 from the New American Standard, the part B of that verse, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For the purpose of godliness. No more spaceless living. No more spaceless living. Create spare space so that you have time to do the things that God drops in your heart. 
Father, thank you for this challenge. It's a little sobering because our lives are largely so out of control. We're just going here, going there, and really lacking direction many times. And I always realize when we talk about this that the first step is really coming to know you and loving you, saying yes to a relationship with you where we just come into a, a place where we, we know you and we're growing in you and we're learning and where we give you all of our sin and we experience your forgiveness and grace. But we want to keep going. We want to keep growing. We want to come more and more of what you want us to be. So I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction out of this series, that it's time to take an action step. I, I think it's hit a, it's hit a note. It's, it's, it's vibrating as truth through this crowd today. But it's another thing to, to take action and say, I'm going to make this small change. We're going to evaluate. We're going to pray. And we're going to seek a new direction. So, Lord, beginning with you, we don't want to be so busy that we don't create space for you to listen. We, we want to create space for things that aren't just urgent, but things that are important that can really shape our lives and the lives of our family. So we just commit and recommit ourselves to you today, thanking you for your stubborn love that keeps pursuing us and never lets us go that anything you bring to our life, any correction is for the purpose of experiencing your best. I pray in Jesus' name.